Welcome to the Sports Jerks Podcast, land of the hot take and home of the Are We There Yet? My name is Josh, and with me is my co-host and cousin, Danny Ippolito. Danny, buddy, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Josh. How are you, buddy? We're still uh, we're still in this Ontario lockdown here. You know, the numbers, they're climbing every day, but uh, my optimism's climbing every day, too. I'm feeling okay. You know, we got baseball still going, right? We got a couple weeks in now. You know, we're starting to Jays are 6-6, right. and six, right? Lots of other stuff to talk about today, so I'm excited to get going. But before we do, let's turn it over to Izzy for some corrections from last week. Happy Friday, Jerky Crew. No corrections to report from last week. See you next week. Wow, that was uh, refreshing. You know, we, we, we've been probably shooting, I would say, you know, 50% or so. And most of our issues have been, you know, relatively small, if I do say so myself. So it's nice to not hear from Izzy for a bit. But let's jump right in. We have the NHL. NHL trade deadline passed. We talked a little bit about it last week. You know, what was going to happen? Who's going to be a mover and shaker? And honestly, the biggest waves came out of our hometown team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's start with the big one. Nick Foligno... Um, he comes from Columbus. They gave us some draft picks. Basically, what I was really impressed about here was actual the structure of the deal. But before we get into that, how do you feel about Nick Felino? How do you feel about this acquisition? Do you think this puts them over the top? You know, where, where's your head at on this trade? I like Nick Felino, man, and especially for the Leafs, too, because like you saw, um, you know, when they played them in the playoffs there. Uh, or that play-in round, you know, Nick Foligno is like a kind of gritty, obviously older veteran guy, uh, you know, responsible, responsible player. Not much, obviously, on the offensive side, but they have they have more than enough cannons on that team. You know, that's not something that they need at all, right? They just need somebody to be responsible uh, and kind of shore up that fourth line, somebody to be annoying to play against, right? Pushing other guys around, just more grit, and that's like kind of the finishing touches that they put on the team. Like in the last, I guess, what eight to ten months, the the last moves have been all kind of you know, grit, grind, veterans, because they already have everything else. So it's interesting, and it's uh, it's a good move on their part. Yeah, I'm glad. It, it really shows that there is, like, a comprehensive look at change, right? Like, we've, mm-hmm. we've talked a little bit at the beginning of the year, you know, since the Shanahan era started, Kyle Dubas came on board. They clearly had a direction of how they wanted this team to operate. And I felt, and a lot of other people felt, that they didn't have – that structural integrity to go deep in the playoffs. And they've completely changed that. Like you said, you know, Wayne Simmons coming over, Zach Bogosian, even they when they made the move for Muzzin, um, you know, and this kind of keeps going down that trajectory. So now, it, it, you know, again, they have a clear vision and they're attacking it, which I have a lot of respect for. There is nothing worse than being a fan of a franchise that just seem to be making random moves that come up being very reactionary. So one thing mm-hmm. I give them a lot of credit for Nick Felino definitely falls in line with, you know, what it seems like they're trying to do. And like you said, he's the kind of guy, you know, he's a bit of, you know, by comparison to who he was a few years ago, you're not going to get the same amount of numbers out of him, but he's great on both ends of the puck, you know, sorry, both sides of the puck. He can kill penalties. He can just get it done. I'm actually interested to see what he can do off Offensively, if he's put with a few younger guys that, that can play. Obviously, Columbus has been on the decline for a little bit. So, so you know, I really like it. And it was really inventive how they kind of came up with this because it was a three-way deal that also included San Jose. San Jose and Columbus both got picks. Obviously, the bulk of them going to Columbus. San Jose picked up a fourth round basically for eating a good portion of Nick Felino's contract. So, you know, that that's something you don't really see a lot. I have a lot of respect for, for that move and the way that Kyle Dubas kind of put this together 
Yeah, it's nice because like no one can really say that they didn't try to attack like their holes in their lineup and address like their needs because of course the first few years and like this continued like success and then getting to the playoffs and getting you know knocked out you know they stocked up on skill uh, and youth right very young very highly skilled highly talented squad very fast um, and then everyone knocked on them because they had no grit right and they got pushed around a lot. Um, and, you know, of course, like you said, now at least there's like a direction or like a calculated strategy. Okay, we need to obviously get more just rougher, bigger, stronger players that don't get knocked around, right? To kind of enforce yeah. and kind of control the game. Um, you know, if that fails, I mean, of course, then people, of course, you know, if it blows up, people will laugh at them and, you know, the usual leaf memes that you see all the time. But right. I, don't, I don't think you can do that, though, because, like, what more can you do, right? They're, they're, Agreed. They're, they're addressing everything they can do right now. I, I don't think you can really laugh at them right now. I think you have to sit back and say, okay, that's a franchise with a clear direction. And it's so annoying, like you said, when, when teams have no direction or they keep doing, like, random shit. Like, look at the Sabres. Just random shit. Like, even, like, going back to a couple years ago and they signed Kyle Ocpozo to a pretty lucrative deal, kind of out of nowhere, and he's kind of been wasting away on that team, like they all have for a number mm-hmm. of years now. And then even, like, acquiring Taylor Hall... And just random shit, right? We're not addressing like the pure, like the really underlying elephant in the room. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think that the devils are a team that have been like that. Like mm-hmm. honestly, since the end of Marty Brodeur, that team has been fucking atrocious. Like they made again, like as soon as, as soon as they needed to make a goaltending shift, they went out and got Corey Schneider. And at that point he was the backup to Roberto Luongo. It looked mm-hmm. like he was going to be the next big thing. Okay. He didn't pan out, but they sat on him for so long and watched him just let in shitty goals. And they put a weak team around him. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, now this is like the first year. Okay. Now they've traded. Traded off Zajac, they traded off Kyle Palmieri, so it's like, okay, is this where we're going to finally see the good rebuild? So I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, some of the grumblings online are that they overpaid for Felino, um, but if you were going to overpay with your first round pick and a couple, you know, kind of mid tier picks, this was the year to do it, obviously, right? Like they're going to finish at the top of the division for sure, so it's going to be a low first round pick in a year that doesn't have a lot of you know, big name, highly touted prospects coming. And it's a year where it's a lot harder to scout. There were fewer games to scout. It was a lot harder for your scouts that you trust to go see. So if there ever was a time to take a flyer, it's this one. And on top of the fact that they are a team that is primed to win. So why not go all in? Of course. Yeah. And like the first round pick to give away is going to be a late first rounder anyway. Like, right. And they don't need that right now. You got to go all in. Um, I would normally say that their window would be like the next year, year and a half, little bit, you know, this last little chunk of time with, but I would say with respect to Freddie Anderson being their starting goalie, but they're not relying on him. He doesn't seem to be obviously part of like, all of a sudden now the years go by so quickly. He doesn't seem to be part of like the, the core going forward. Right. So I think this is sort of their window, not closing, but. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're, they're in the middle. They're in the middle of the window. I, I the way they look now, yeah. I think in their current yeah. shape or form that there's yeah. some, yeah, this, this window, they're moving from the window to maybe the door, something more, yeah. <laughs> something more like yeah. sustained. But, yeah. um, I don't know this, this iteration of the Leafs. I mean, they're obviously going to keep 80% of the guys, but I mean right. like from the Hyman window and potentially the Anderson, if he comes back and plays well, like the hand, the, the Hyman Anderson, uh, uh, window, that's kind of you know, sort of shutting. So yeah, you go all in right now. I don't think it was that much of a price to pay. They can afford it with, you know, the number of draft picks and the quality of those picks that, you know, would maybe show up down the road, but that's not time for that. Now it's time for this. Uh, I like that. Speaking of, you know, 
Palmieri and Zajac. I like the Islanders too. I think the Islanders, that's the problem. The only problem with the Leafs shoring up is that obviously other teams have shored up as well. Um, yep. Not necessarily any in the North Division to be scared of, but um, you know, certainly down in the East. Um, you know, Like I said, the Islanders, Palmieri, Zajac, on top of another really good team. Right, Varlamov's fantastic goaltender, uh, Matt Barzold. I know they lost Anders Lee, their captain, for the rest of the season. Yeah, he's um, out. But like, like you know, a lot of people were saying, Palmieri is like a reliable scoring touch kind of guy. You kind of fill that void a little bit. So I don't yeah. know. I really like the Islanders going forward. They're sort of, I think, uh, if I had to make a pick now to kind of have a team to watch, maybe sort of thing, I'd say Islanders. I yeah, I think a team to watch is a great way to put it, right? They've mm-hmm. shown in the last few years that they are a team that they they do show up come playoff time. They kind of just are that team that they just they elevate, they get grittier, they get a little bit like just kind of more that dog in them comes out. And a lot of teams don't have that kind of that intrinsic thing, and that's something the Leafs haven't had in the past, and the Islanders do have, and I agree. Zajac and Paul Mary, although, you know, not Superstars, they add mm-hmm. a ton of depth, especially come playoff time when it's really about, it's not about just beating up on some loser team 5-1. to one. It's about getting those 2-1 wins, those 3-2 wins. Those are the kind of guys that, you know, might get you that, you know, get you that primetime goal and, and, and push you forward. I have a question for you. So the Leafs pick up Riddick from Calgary. They mm-hmm. didn't give up a lot. Third round pick. Do you think that that means that they're anticipating Freddie is done for the year? Uh, I, I don't want to say done for the year, but I mean done for a really extended period of time. But again, I don't see him. I don't see a guy debuting. Like, would they debut him in like the second round or something or the third round? If, they're, you know, if they got there, no way, right? So unless, think- unless the wheels fell off. Unless the wheels have fallen off and like, you know, Freddie happens to be healthy and they stay, maybe they go seven games in the first round when they should have dominated and they're getting nervous because, you know, Campbell's goals against is like four a game, but they're still winning and then Anderson gets healthy and they throw him in. But you're right. That's the only plausible. Win. Yeah. So probably. Yeah. And I actually like that move a lot. When I saw it, it was late night. I think it was last minute uh, on the trade deadline day. And I saw David Riddick coming to the Leafs. Um and he's had a rough go of it this season, but so many so many guys have had a rough go of it over the last eight to ten months. It's like, mm-hmm. how much stock can you put in that? You know, admittedly, I haven't looked at you know any underlying numbers or haven't watched David Riddick extremely closely. Uh, I did catch a lot of Flames games. You know, uh, they were on, of course, you know, later time zone for us here on the, in the East. Um, but I did catch a few at the beginning of the season, and he was doing well until he got injured. So I think there's something right. there. Um, and it's not bad to have a warm body behind Campbell. That's not Mike Hutchinson. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for Hutchinson, but he's just proven time and time again that he just can't be relied on. You know, mm-hmm. as, as much as you as much as you should on a backup goalie. It's too bad though. Uh, they put Riddick in and uh, against his old team immediately, and they end up losing to the Flames last night. He gives up three goals on twenty eight shots. Not that bad, Mm-mm. but that's a tough debut. You have guys that are shooting on you every single day, and now you're playing against them. You already have, you know, those first game nerves, so it's kind of crazy. Next question for you, sir. The Bruins pick up Taylor Hall. Mr. Two Goals Taylor Hall. Honestly, I think if you got as many minutes as Taylor Hall, I think enough pucks would hit you in the face and fall into the <laughs> net that you would also probably have two goals. So is this a move that you think actually pushes the Bruins forward or more than likely they're just, you know, it's just a name play and it's not going to work out the way they hoped? What do you think? I don't know. I, I read something the other day um, that said Taylor Hall has had the most breakaway chances 
of anybody in the league over the last couple of years, and he okay. scored he scored twice on them. So he's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> so he's been awful. I think he's for some right. reason. Why does he carry so much name value still? And if he's proved he's proved for sure the last like two seasons that he's just. I don't know. Is he a problem? <laughs> I, I hate going into locker room shit. I hate that stuff. Let's just keep it on the ice. He's not producing on the ice, so he's not uh, producing on the no, ice. No, so yeah. I think that's uh, it's, it's I don't know. It depends how he fits in Boston. I I really highly regard the Bruins organization as just like a top notch kind of, you know, development coaching, just kind of everything top to bottom. I really highly regard them in that sense. Yep. So I think if yep. any organization can whip him into shape and put him in a position to succeed with other prime players, then. Yeah, I think Boston's the team to do it. If he can't do it there, I mean, I, I struggle to see, you know, what's next for him. Another cheap one-year flyer deal with some random team. I don't know. Um, I thought the Leafs would make a play for him, but I don't know. I, I highly regard the Leafs as well. Um, and the fact that they kind of stayed away from him, from him even at Thank a reduced God. price tag, just tells Thank me, God. again, tells me again, that's a smart team doing smart yeah. things. I always think that the Leafs are, last few years, they've been, they've done really nothing like, catastrophically dumb and they've done a lot of really really smart things like look at the team they're rebuilt right so i i look at them as kind of like a really really model franchise and if they stayed away um then i don't know but again i highly regard boston and they went for it so it's anyone's guess but i mean he's just looked like so shit the last couple years just like such a soul sucker like a life sucker out of teams it feels like yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think the Leafs staying away from it made sense. It goes back to the fact, like we just said, they have a clear plan and a guy like mm-hmm. that offers no value. They have scoring. Mm-hmm. They have guys like that. Even if Taylor Hall was playing like the old Taylor Hall, he still offers no value. So I'm so happy to see they weren't in the running for that. The Bruins, on the other hand, they have that grit they have those guys that have been in the playoffs been in the playoffs deep so i think them taking a flyer especially when they're not carrying that entire salary cap um you know it makes a bit more sense i am agreeing with you though in the sense that if taylor hall does not make it work in boston this is the last time he's ever gonna make the money that he made he's still gonna be an nhler he can still fly he's still a big boy like you said he's still you know he gets his chances but here's the thing you know he gets drafted by edmonton all eyes are on him. He's the future of the franchise, you know, pre-McDavid, and they expected so much, and he didn't live up to it. But he that blame was spread across, you know, Eberly at the time and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So he gets moved. He ends up going to the Devils, but the same thing, the Devils brought him on as, like, you know, a franchise changer. Mm-hmm. They wanted this guy, okay, again, these shitty decisions that the Devils have made since the end of Marty Brodeur and being like, oh, we'll just get this one goal scorer to answer all our problems. It doesn't, number one. But number two, Taylor Hall never lived up to those expectations then he takes the flyer because no one wants to give this guy a long-term contract so he figures i'll get paid for one year this will be my year and i'm gonna you know i'm gonna show people that i can do it and and it hasn't been my fault and he ends up putting up two fucking goals on like the one of the world like one of nhl's worst teams in the last 10 years the buffalo sabers so now he gets traded to the Boston Bruins, he is not even, what is he, the sixth best player on that team? So all the pressure should be off his shoulders. The expectation for him with Bergeron on that team, Pasternak, Marchand, there is no expectation for him to be the guy that he used to be. The expectation is to go out there and get those chances, make those plays, start capitalizing a bit more, and, and be the bottom half of a top six instead of the top half. So if he can't do it with the pressure off his shoulders, then that's it. He's never, ever going to see all-star level money again. And in all honesty, he shouldn't. 
No, no, definitely not. But I, I of course, wish the best for him. And, uh, you know, I like Boston. But I think, again, I think the Leafs meet Boston in the playoff this time. They got their work cut out for them. I think the Leafs are sort of like the Goliath in that David and Goliath matchup now. It's not so clear cut anymore, you know? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And I, I do think that he, he does help the team, though. Like, if I had to if I had to bet on will this work out for Boston, I think it will because I think mm-hmm. that he does have a lot to offer still. He's not old. You know, he still gets those chances, like you said. And I think him being around, you know, better players that are, you know, and not even just better players, better, like, leaders, better yeah. long-term NHL veterans that can maybe get his mind right and take that pressure off and just be like, you know what? You're not the guy that's got to score 40 goals this year. You're the guy that's got to go out and score 15. So get in the corner, get in front of the net, you know, tip some pucks, take one off the face, like, let's play some hockey. You know what, though? I just had a thought. Everyone shits on Taylor Hall, and you see the memes every year when it comes time to trade Taylor Hall, but I'm just literally just now, I don't know why I didn't think of this before. He was on, let's list the teams. Edmonton Oilers, New Jersey Devils, Buffalo Sabres. It was those, a, a, and you know he hit he hit Arizona in the middle too. Okay, at Arizona yeah. too. Yeah, he are those hit might be too. okay. Even yeah. perfect. This still this still goes to my point. Those might be the four worst run <laughs> and worst performing organizations in the NHL. Can you name any worse? Uh, Ottawa Senators would be the fifth, maybe. Yeah, I know, and I'm pretty sure they they got their eye on him for next year. Yeah, a, right. A whopping, I'm sure, fifteen million a year. How much you want to bet? How much you want to bet he goes to Ottawa Senators for one point two million or something stupid next year? It, we can blame Taylor Hall all you want, and there is blame to be had. Again, I'm not absolving Definitely. him of anything. He's been fucking terrible, but there has to be some blame put on. Literally, I mean, their shit don't stink either, or actually, it does. It stinks to high heaven. <laughs> so those organizations are all brutal. And look at the yes. way they've handled stuff. Look at the Sabres have just literally brought, like, like sports are, like, supposed to be an escapism from, like, everyday life and, like, you know, sad emotions. But the Sabres just are depressing for anybody who watches. Even if you're not a fan. Yeah. Even if you're, like, a fan of, like, a Sabres rival, you watch the Sabres game and you actually feel worse. Your day, <laughs> your day actively is actually worse from watching the Sabres and watching, like, just all those men just be so debilitated playing hockey. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I, there's blame on Taylor Hall. There's blame on all those organizations, too. This is an interesting trade deadline. A couple no cr- crazy, crazy stuff. You know, Anthony Mantha was a big one. I think we should talk about that. Was, that like was a, a blockbuster. Second. Yeah, that was yeah. a pretty good one. Um, so the Capitals look like another team coming out of that division uh, with yeah. the Islanders there. That could be really exciting. Um, but other than that, you know, Leafs look good. Capitals, uh, you know, a couple stars for our um, for our trade deadline winners. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see. We're in the home stretch now. So playoffs should begin, you know, anytime. And then at that point, anything can happen. Yep, for sure. Yep, for sure. Definitely. I'm excited to see how the next few weeks shape up. Obviously, there's a few divisions that are a bit more locked down than others. But, you know, lots of good hockey left. And like you said, the Capitals making moves. Tampa Bay, after losing Shattenkirk and Bogosian, you know, they kind of bolstered their blue line with uh, with Savard. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be interesting. But moving on, baseball. We saw two no-hitters in the last week, both with historical significance joe musgrove throws a no-hitter for the padres the first in the history of the padres and here is a fun fact about the aftermath of that the musgrove family owns a small you know family-oriented drive-through coffee shop in some small town suburb outside of san diego and since he's thrown that no-hitter their sales are through the roof 
Really? The fans are going, supporting the family. <laughs> they love it. They were saying, you were saying it was like, you know, it's such a special moment because he's like his family, even at their best, he's like, it's a very modest business in a modest town. And all the fans just showing up is like, they've never seen sales like this. It's just Aww. one of those warm hearted, great stories. I love those kind of stories. And it's so funny, man. I, I'm, I know it happens in all sports, but these kind of quirky, little fun, cute, wholesome moments. Ah, it's part of why baseball is such a beautiful thing, especially at the beginning of the season when you've come off to such an explosive start like that. That's awesome. Uh, he's a hometown kid. You know, of course, family, like you said, owning that restaurant outside of uh, uh, in the suburbs of San Diego. But he's a hometown kid. And first in history. Imagine that. How cool would that be, man? Amazing. Josh, start fucking warming up, buddy. The Jays are going to call you. You're, you're <laughs> I don't lefty. even think I could throw it for our, for our team. You saw me pitch last year. It looks like <laughs> it looks like I'm throwing with the wrong hand. But last night, you were the one who posted on Instagram, Carlos Rendon, Throws a no-hitter mm-hmm. uh, for the Chicago White Sox. And here is another interesting little tidbit. He is now the first pitcher in MLB history to throw a no-hitter within two years of getting Tommy John surgery. That is interesting, man. Good for him. Oh, you know right? what? Yeah, that's fantastic. Actually, you know, more to that on the broadcast, I was reading that his velocity actually increased since then. So incredibly Beautiful. rare. And to be able to throw, uh, you know, a no-hitter just two years removed from that, that's awesome, man. And it's crazy because he had the perfect game intact uh, oh until my the God. eighth inning. And then that slider kind of got away. And kinda, uh, it, it fucking, I can't remember who it, it was. was. The... I think it was, uh, do you remember who it hit? I don't know who he hit, but I know that it was in the ninth inning and one out. He was two outs away from the perfect game, and it hits him on the toe. So for anybody that didn't see it, you know, ninth inning, he's got one out, throws the slider like you said. It tails a little bit too far inside, looks like it misses, and literally hits the guy in the fucking toenail, okay? In the fucking – this guy, if he had clipped his toenails and had better personal (laughs) hygiene, it would have missed his foot, and he would have had a perfect game. It was was really – like, I realize, like, how amazing of a moment it is to to get that no-hitter, and 10 years from now – it's going to still feel like he got that no-hitter. But in that moment, it must have been bittersweet, right? Like, getting a perfect yeah. game is is perfect. Well, it's absolutely it's perfect. It is. It has, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely perfect. And the last one was uh, Felix Hernandez, I believe, 2012. 2012, and I say that, doesn't it feel like just yesterday? Already, you know, we're coming up on nine and a half years, you know, to 2012, almost 10 years, right? So, yeah, it would have been incredible. Roberto Perez, I believe it was, uh, the Cleveland catcher. Uh, he neglected to to trim his toenails that morning. So, fuck. <laughs> so that's what spoiled. That's what it wasn't even his toenail. It was like the dust, the dirt on the end of his dirty ass toenail right there, man. Shit. I was like, I couldn't believe it when I was watching. Oh, but that yeah, would hurt. like you said, yeah. when they look back in the history books, like we're we're all gonna forget that that happened, right? And uh, yeah, you know whether or not Perez trims his toenails going forward to spoil future perfect games i don't know but uh it's not oh gonna have any God. sort of uh sway you know um but two perfect or two sorry two no hitters um you know already in this young season so awesome man so exciting love it and i'm wondering if uh is that a a, a result of the uh the rumored dead ball that mlb put in do 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 i mean you know the cynic in me wants to say yes it is but i mean in general um you know i don't know i feel like you know people are still hitting the ball hard i think it's mm-hmm. Fine, you know, like I think it's just, you know, being that it's early in the season, you got a lot of rusty guys also coming off of a shortened COVID 2020 season. You're seeing a lot of really random stats at this point, like right now on the Toronto Blue Jays. So we'll get into them now, too. Okay. You know, but beyond Vladdy, Bo, and my absolute 
non-boy arch nemesis Randall Grichuk. They're all <laughs> batting over 300. Everyone else on that roster is sub 200 at this point. And we're 12 games in, okay? So it's not a huge sample size, but that's enough time where when you're batting 150, you know, while that doesn't mean you're going to have a horrible year, it does mean that you're fucking cold as ice right now. Yeah, it does mean that you have to, you know, obviously climb out of a hole as opposed to, you know, starting hot. Um, you know, it's like school. It's like when you're doing shit in the beginning of the semester and you're like, fuck, now I got to do well. Or you just fucking hunker down and get a couple, you know, good grades at the beginning and then you can chill. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but you're right. Coming out of, you know, coming out of, you know, your summer off, you know, or in baseball, you had your winter off, you had your short season last year, only 60 games. So, you know, maybe they're not getting the reps in and they're coming out and, and, they're just colder. You're not seeing the ball the same way. They're used to seeing, you know, what do they take? Almost 600, you know, major league at bats mm-hmm. for a starter every mm-hmm. year. And you went, you know, basically chopped that by 70% and then expected people to come back. So I don't want to blame it on the ball, but, you know, around baseball, you know, things are, you know, things are getting very uh, pitcher dominant out of the gate. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sticking to the Blue Jays in that stat that you said, it's interesting when you say it because I, I, I noticed it, but I didn't notice it. You know, that Vladdy, Bo, and Grichik, he seems to be cooling down a little bit, which is concerning. Uh, we have definitely been carrying the offense. And for some reason, like, Joe Panic, whenever he comes in, so this guy pokes, a, <laughs> yeah. this guy pokes yeah. a single every fucking time. You know, kudos yeah. to him. Um, yeah. But they kind of been hiding um, some other underperforming players. I, uh, my concerns off the bat. Um, the, the behind the plate, you know, they're defensively no problem, of course. Yeah. Um, but they're not only they're they're kind of like I don't know. Uh, at least I could say that Danny Jansen walks a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Kirk hit a home run last night, but that's besides the point. That was they, a bomb, by the way. Holy shit! It was that a bomb. Explo- that was a, that was an absolute meatball hanger, though. Like it was just like it looked like you could have hit it with like a, you know a fly swatter. That was a bomb, yeah. Um, so I, I can I can give him that one, and he does get into get into a few, but I don't know about the. No, bats you're right. Back he's, he's batting not sold like one sixty. Yeah, I'm not sold on their bats back there. And Danny Jansen has had a while to figure it out. Now I think it still seems like he's kind of new, but he's had at least a season in a bit to figure it out, and hasn't really. So. Slight concern there. Still not panicking at all. Uh, Guriel Jr., a little bit hotter as of late. I think he got a base hit or two last night. But, you know, uh, he's off to a bit of a slow start. Tio Hernandez, poor guy, afflicted with COVID-19. Does this relate back to those fucking Rangers and their full ballpark? Uh, actually, I'm not a hundred percent sure from what I, from what I had heard, it was outside of, it was outside, contracted outside of baseball. Okay. I was going to say, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't, yeah. It doesn't mean it wasn't at like a pub in Texas. I actually don't really know, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Alejandro Kirk, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt for a while. You're right. His bat has been absolutely atrocious, but this is, you know, this is a situation he, you know, he was, he was a double a ball player less than a year ago. You know, he got hot. They needed him. It worked out last year. It's fantastic. I think that it it can turn around, but the, like for us to expect him to be a big league hitter consistently is going to take some time. It's going to take some time, but I agree. They got to, you know, they got to bolster the backstop a little bit. Hopefully one of them gets hot, but you know, Bobichet, you know, he's they speaking of hot. Honestly, when I watch him, I just have this like gut feeling that we are watching a future Hall of Famer. And I'm like, somebody right now that's listening, buy me a Bo Bichette rookie card and send it to me in the mail. I'll, uh, I'll forever, <laughs> I'll be a forever ingratiated to you. But man, I just, I love watching him play. Obviously, you know, on the defensive end, you know, you want to see him making those 
those plays that have to be made because he's getting to the point where he's starting to make those super athletic diving stab type plays, mm-hmm. but then he's fumbling balls that he has a lot of time to think about. And, and you know, I think to some extent that has something to do with his age and just the number of reps he takes, right? Yeah, no, he's getting better though. He's getting better, especially even in games like Cavan too, like when you see them botch a throw, like I know you obviously ideally you never want to see them botch a throw, but when they do, then you can kind of see them like learning. You see them right. on the next play really kind of heave it a little bit, you know, really yeah. trying to gauge, you know, how hard can I throw, you know, uh, where and that kind of thing, trying to still get a feel for Vladdy at first, right? You still got a rookie first baseman over there uh, sure. as well. So a lot of parts in motion, a lot of growing pains. Um, but, you know, defensively, I was looking at the stats today. Jays are top seven in the league right now. I know, again, very small sample size, but it's encouraging to see, especially from all the butchery that happened last year. Yeah. Um, so encouraging to see that they're trending up in that direction. Um, the fact that, you know, two thirds of the team, their bats have kind of gone cold. I don't know if it's concerning or not, but if Bo and Vlad get cold in any stretch, well, that, that could spell danger. So you do need those guys to kind of, you know, ebb and flow in a positive direction at some point, because, you know, everyone needs to be picked up once in a while. You know, even guys who are scorching hot as Vlad and Bo, and they've been fantastic. This is what everyone's been waiting for, this dynamic duo yes, to get yes. hot at the right time. Vlad, it seems like he can't get out. He just smacks the ball everywhere, whether it's over the fence, to the fence. He finds holes in the infield. He finds holes in the outfield. He's fantastic. His defense has been terrific. Doing, you see him doing the splits? How many times? He's done the splits at least 30 times in the last week. It's like he just learned how to do it, so he's just like over-fucking-using <laughs> it. At the, it's like he watched G-Man Choi do it to us in the playoffs last year, and everyone fucking freaked out, so he's like, fuck it, I'm going to do it every game. He does it, and he looks good doing it, man. Good for him. His body looks yeah. fantastic. He looks healthy. That's all that really matters. Right? As long as he's healthy, he's happy, he's feeling good, and he can get around. His bat speed looks even better than it has yeah. in the past. So, you know, yeah. I thought it was kind of media posturing when they were kind of selling, you know, thin Vlad, you know, fit Vlad's going to, you know, it's going to translate to the on-field uh, numbers, but it actually has. So I hope he keeps it up because um, he's already passed his wins above replacement number from last year already. Wow. Um, in this first, actually, 10 games. In the first 10 games, he passed um, his value from all of last year. So, sky's the limit for Vlad, even though he plays first, and there's not going to be a lot of, like, defensive points to his to his war. Um, he can hit with the best of them, and I think he's showing flashes of it now, and he's only getting better. So, uh, it's really exciting. The fact that they're 6-6 six and six right now with no George Springer, right? Kirby Yates, like we said, he's kind of a distant memory now. Year, but, yeah, yeah but he's done for the year. Um, other, you know, various injuries... So the team, Ross Stripling now um, on the IR too, right? Hernandez, like yeah. we said earlier, he's been out for, you know, actually probably the majority of the season now. Um, yep. and, and the fact that they're still 6-6, six and six, well, the Yankees are kind of uh, floundering a little bit. The Red Sox are red hot. They, uh, mm-hmm. They've won eight or nine straight. So I, I don't know how much credence I put into that, though. I don't know if I, right. yeah. I, don't know if I buy that yet. It's still really early. But uh, they're playing good baseball. So uh, I don't know. The Jays are staying afloat. And... Getting George Springer back is going to be like getting like a, uh, well, getting a prize free agent like George Springer. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that, that was an excellent way to put it. <laughs> but you're right, Vladdy is batting 390 right now. He's got a 510 on base percentage. He's got nine RBIs through 12 games, scorching hot. And like you said, him and Bo being hot at the same time has basically made up for the other 60% of the batters playing like shit. And the fact that our pitching, our starting pitching outside of Ryu has been less than good. And, you know, our depth in our bullpen has actually come together uh, so far so Mm -hmm. good. But Merriweather just got put on the IL with an oblique strain. So, you know, I think this is just... 
you know, much the same of what we're going to see all season is you're going to see a lot of guys on on every team that are going to go through their injuries, but now you have COVID to think about. Now you have that, the you know, it's kind of a condensed season, same amount of games in a shorter amount of time. You you know, it's really going to be a battle of attrition. So, so it's exciting. Pivoting. I hate that we're even talking about this because I think that they're both like just fucking jokes. But I mean, you know, this Saturday <laughs> night, we've talked about it before, you know, Jake Paul. The YouTuber, the fucking YouTuber. I'm not going to say boxer. I refuse to say it. He needs to box. Like, he actually needs to box more than, like, once in his life before I say he's a boxer. The YouTuber is fighting former UFC welterweight Ben Askren. It's this Saturday night. I'm just going to lead it and say, what a fucking joke. I am not going to watch unless, you know, unless the fucking free stream hits me on the head. Don't come after me, Dana White and the police. Um <laughs> And I realize Dana White is not involved in this at all. I just I know that he's super angry when people steal uh, from him. Frank Mir, the former UFC heavyweight champ who must be turning seventy eight, is also fighting on this card. Some for some some fucking reason. I don't understand what is happening. It's like we've walked into like a fun house of fucking mirrors, and it's just full of fucking assholes that you from high school that you wish you couldn't see. And it's like all in one card. I'm gonna lead with the fact that beyond this being, you know, just a joke to sports and a joke to the great sport of boxing. You know, the fact that it's in the cruiserweight division, which for anybody who doesn't know is 200 pounds. Okay. So it's between light heavyweight and heavyweight. So this is where the big boys live. You want to know why? Because Jake Paul likes to be slightly over 200 fucking pounds. Ben Askren used to fight at 170 in the UFC, okay? He fought at 1 fucking 70, okay? I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting angry. I'm getting angry because it's a publicity stunt. It's a joke. It's a it's a joke and it pisses me off and and I'm and I'm pissed. <laughs> okay, I I don't know I really I don't know what, like what to fucking say. I'm losing my I'm losing my mind too, but I'm just thinking to myself like is so Jake Paul, Jake Paul being two hundred pounds, and Ben Askren having to fight up to that weight, are they trying to get Jake Paul to slap him around or what? <laughs> I here here here's here's what I really think. Okay, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know what Ben Askren weighs now. I don't know what his fighting weight is. Right? Like I just know mm-hmm. that in his prime in the UFC, he fought at one seventy. So from from what I know, he could have retired and put on twenty pounds. It doesn't it's basically irrelevant because a man that used to fight at one seventy that now decides to fight at two hundred, there's probably a reason. It's probably because he's not the same guy. He can't get as fit and he can't fight at fucking one seventy. So to me, it just shows even more so what a joke is i think that they want jake paul to win because jake paul will sell subscriptions this guy's got two professional fights under his belt and he's headlining a fucking major pay-per-view okay so they need him to win they need him to continue to win he's a young guy i've seen him train i don't even want to talk about his skill because from what i i see you know the jury is still out but it seems like at worst he's going to be an okay boxer like, this is a man that if he keeps training, the amount of money and resources he has, he can probably be a professional boxer. I just hate the way that they're going about it and putting him in the ring with a... You want to know why they're putting him in a fucking fight with Ben Askren? Number one, he fights at 30 pounds less. Number fucking two, the guy can take a beating. He's not going to go down that easy. This is not going to be like a Nate Robinson catches one in the back of the head <laughs> and goes to sleep. Because, you know, while people want to see knockouts... What more they want to see, if if you're promoting this fight, if I put my fucking promoter hat on, what do I want? I want to watch Jake Paul 
beat the shit out of somebody, break his nose. Mm-hmm. I want to see blood. I want to see pain. I want to see him box more. And then I want to see him knock the guy out. Mm-hmm. So I think Ben Askren is taking a payday to basically get the shit kicked out of him by a douchebag that would you would meet at a fucking yacht company in his fucking Sperry shoes. I'm sorry if you have Sperry shoes. <laughs> ah, man, I don't know. Like, it's something... Like, where does this shit air? Like, and I know it's a pay-per-view. It's a pay-per-view. It's a pay-per-view. Pay-per-view through what, though? Like, what medium do you uh, use? Like- I forget what they're called. I think it's called, like, Trill. It's like they're, the promotional company is, like, Trill Fights or something like that. Uh, it's some, like, um, you know, like, medium medium line, like, boxing promotion. And then they're putting it out through pay-per-view. But you could you buy it through, like, your ca- like a cable subscription, right? Okay. Okay. So the viewership, though. So if this if this has huge viewership... And is like bigger than any of like you know kind of the mainstream fights. If this let's say this outsells uh, Poirier versus McGregor, <laughs> <laughs> it, it won't get there. But we'll get I there. See your point. Yeah. Let's say this. Let's say there's more viewers than Poirier versus McGregor. Would that piss you off? Oh, super piss me off because then you know what's next. It's going to be like, it, you know, I've already heard grumbling. Somebody was telling me about them doing uh, a boxing tournament of YouTubers versus. Instagram influencers, okay? Oh my god. And to me, it's not about whether or not they can fight. You know what I mean? Because we can go, why don't we just go down and find three buff doctors that box at night and make them (laughs) fight three buff like fucking garbage men. Like, what is the point? That's not their job. I want to I want to watch people do what they do best. You want to know why no one comes to our fucking baseball games? Because by comparison, the pros were shit. Even if, <laughs> even if somebody goes yard and, and like, you know, fucking if Philly Go is listening to this right now, he makes a diving play at short. Still, by comparison to Bo Bichette, we're all trash. So it's kind of the same here. It's like, even if Jake Paul can fucking box and he's getting fucking trained by by George Masvidal from the UFC. It's like, you're still shit. You haven't earned it. It's a disgrace to the sport. He should have been an amateur boxer. He should have won some fights. He should have turned pro. You know, I I guess I sound like an old head that's just yelling, but I feel like in life you have to earn it. And things that are handed to people because they have big social media platforms is basically my biggest fucking pet peeve. Yeah, but that's that's the way things are trending these days, you know? Things being handed to people uh, because they have big platforms. Like a TikTok, man. You, I can't even go live on my personal account because I don't have enough followers. Because <laughs> you're a bum. Because I'm a bum, I know. So, you know, things, uh, I don't know, that uh, clout, I guess, is the new word that the kids use these days. I guess he has enough clout to kind of drum this up. And then if you have a bit of clout or a bit of, you know, sway in the social game... I don't understand it, and I don't. I don't. I don't consider myself an old head, but maybe I am too. Um, there seems to be clout currency, and if you have clout currency, you exponentially gain more, and you can kind of go into any whatever fucking venture you want. Jake Paul is a funny kind of example because it's just his face looks so cartoonish. I don't know. I can't explain it. He looks like a cartoon. That's kind of funny. Um, I want to see him catch a couple, but I don't. Yes. Know. I want to I don't catch think he, a couple. Uh, yeah. I think he's definitely going to get hit. He didn't get hit in the Nate Robinson fight because no. Nate Robinson can't box worth fucking shit. That was a stupid. And, that was a joke. But even if, like, I really hope he elevated his game because Jake Paul looked like shit in that fight too. Sure, he's heavy and he's, he's a pretty big dude. And from what I understand, he can hit with power. Like, there are people that I respect in the, you know, the fight game that are kind of saying this kid has power. So I have to kind of take that as, as fact. But he looked like shit. His combos were trash. He was slow. Everything looked like this guy could have fucking just wrote on a fucking telegraph, SOS, I'm about to throw a punch to Nate <laughs> Robinson because everything you could see it from a mile away so Ben Askren at least 
you know, is a fighter. He's fought before, but he didn't have an illustrious career. He was a wrestler. He wasn't a fighter. Like I said, they, they, you know, they're putting him in there to take a beating. We saw similar things with Kimbo Slice back in the day, okay? Kimbo Slice was one of the best online street fighters in the world. Guy can throw mm -hmm. hands, okay? He turned pro. You know, UFC gave him a shot. He was on the Ultimate Fighter. It didn't work, but they kept giving him opportunities. And then it came out later that he fought a guy named Seth Pe Petrozelli, if I'm not mistaken. And Seth came out later and said that he was told if he didn't take Kimbo Slice down, they would pay him more. So at that point... You, you know, you're throwing everything out the window. And it's like you said, it's because Kimbo had that clout to draw people's mm -hmm. eyes. And at that time, I was probably only like 18 years old. He definitely had mine. So, you know, mine we're too. seeing, you know, we're seeing that growth. So it's not like I'm faulting Jake Paul for capitalizing on it. I'm, I'm pretty much faulting the boxing community for allowing it to happen this way. And, and, and it's just pissing me off. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Okay. I don't, you know what, Dan, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it anymore but you're going down an interest i'm so sorry one more minute on it one more minute because yeah, you're going okay. down a very you're going down a very interesting path here like for blaming the boxing community for allowing that to happen if a youtuber let's say a huge one let's say i don't know 35 million followers 50 million followers said one day i want to play minor league baseball or i want to play minor league hockey uh i know it's a league and there's structures in place but is that enough clout currency to get them a tryout or something? A hundred percent it does, right? Like we yeah. saw it kind of with Tim Tebow, right? Like yes. somebody immediately, you know, he one. played, he only played fucking high school baseball, but they gave him a shot. He ended up being kind of okay. But see, I had less issue with that because he started in the minors. That's my thing. It's not like, cause you know, Jake Paul makes videos mm -hmm. that it's like, Hey bitch, stay in your lane. That's not my point. My point is that, you know, he should have fought guys that have been, you know, working their way up through the ranks. I want to see him, you know, and, and televise those fights. Like, it's mm -hmm. okay. It's okay to me if, you know, he gets a lot of eyes that he gets that attraction. So let's say they put him up against a real boxer that's holding the WEC fucking cruiserweight belt. Maybe he gets to skip a couple steps because he's a big boy and because he has the fucking clout. But I want to see him fight a boxer. I don't want to see him beat up on fucking 400-year-old Nate Robinson and then everyone <laughs> fucking, you know, fluffs his nuts and then he ends up getting to fight fucking Ben Askren, okay? Ben Askren was on... Um, their podcast, uh, you know, obviously it was Logan that was hosting, I believe, mm -hmm. um, you know, impulsive and he comes on and he's basically like, yeah, I just don't, you know, if, if Jake Paul's a good boxer, you know, I'm going to lose, but I don't think he's a good boxer. I'm like, this is a man that just wants to get paid. He doesn't oh, give a shit, yeah. you know? I, so that's the thing. Like let him box fucking boxers. Then it's a joke. It's a joke. I, I hate it. I hate it. Okay, fair Dan, enough. So that, that Dan, answers my question. That, that, that answers my question. So you're saying if they, fine, if they get an in with some clout currency, if they pay their way in, but if they stay their way in by actually doing it in a legitimate way, by facing people who are of the correct caliber. Exactly. And, okay, and of the correct, you know, craft that they're trying yes. to inject themselves into. You're saying Absolutely. that that is, uh, okay, I'm cool with that. Okay, I can see yeah, that. So, yeah, like, I've heard Justin Bieber is a pretty good basketball player, for example. I, okay. I heard he's a half-decent hockey player, too. He hangs out with Martyr and Matthews and those guys, so I'm mm -hmm. sure he's fine. Let's say in two years, he all he did, he stopped making music. He just trained and played <laughs> hockey with Martyr and Matthews all the time, right? Okay. And he says, I, I want a shot. He gets to his agent. Agent fucking calls 
you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they give him a tryout with their ECHL affiliate. If he goes out there and scores fucking 35 goals, gets into a fight, <laughs> loses three teeth, then he should go to the AHL. And yeah. if he gets up there and he fucking scores a hattie first night, fights the ref, loses another fucking tooth, and he earns his way to the NHL, I'm okay with it. But if his agent calls fucking Kyle Dubas and says, I'm playing fucking defense tonight, and he goes out there... I, it's bullshit. Or if they put him and say, oh, uh, Justin Bieber is a professional hockey player. He's going to face fucking Dan Ippolito tonight in <laughs> hockey. Then I'm going to also be pissed. You know, they got to get their shit together. But I got to move on to a better story. Dan, okay. not for nothing. But I love the way the Patriots handled the Julian Edelman situation, even though at first optically it did look a little bit of weird. So for anybody that doesn't know, long time. New England Patriots veteran, wide receiver, dog, Julian Edelman, retired from the NFL. But before he did, the Patriots announced that the 34-year-old had failed his physical and then alluded to other issues and decided to cut him ahead of his 12th season. Okay, a few hours later, Edelman drops this, you know, heartfelt video. He comes out in the set, you know, at the, you know, uh, the 50-yard line at Gillette Stadium. He talks to the fans about how, you know, his family and blah, 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 and all this beautiful stuff. I loved it. You should go watch it. It's fine. Uh-huh. Julian Edelman is an absolute class act. But here's the kicker, right? So I, I, everyone's scratching their head and being like, well, why the fuck do you cut a guy so loyal to your franchise hours before he retires? And here is the reason. And here's the reason why I love it, and I give a lot of respect to the Patriots for doing it. By cutting Edelman, he became eligible for injury protection benefit. He missed most of last season with a knee injury, so this meant that he can collect up to $2 million next year per the deal with the CBA. So, I love to see it. Obviously, the guy was going to retire. You know, he his career's cut short by injury. He gave his heart and soul to this team. So, I love to see it. It's not something you see. The Patriots are notoriously the fucking, just the absolute Death Star owners of the NFL with all the mm-hmm. cheating and bullshit that they do. So, a little bit of, a little bit of love and, you know, and shout out Julian Edelman your beauty of the week, you know, 620 passes caught, 6,822 yards, 36 touchdowns, and a three-time Super Bowl champion. Yeah, you know, there's not much more I can add that hasn't already been said. You know, class act, you know, synonymous with Patriots football for the last generation. Um, and these kind of contractual kind of uh, word, letter of the law, things that get processed and then tumbled into the media, they, they tend to snowball, right? So anyone wants to kind of pick and say, of course, especially the Patriots, right? Yes. Everybody, everybody loves to hate the Patriots. So they see something like that. They go, you're, you know, you're disloyal. How could you do that to a long-term guy like that? And then, you know, you get into the numbers and you get into the lettering of the, and the language of the contract. And of course, there's a reason and it's a wholesome reason. So that's good. You know, taking care of your guy. A guy that sacrificed, especially in football, right? The guy that sacrificed his body and potentially yeah. the mobility of his future. You know, he yeah. might he might hold this kid's five less times because he got you guys because he got you know he played football yeah. all those years. So unfortunately, he, he, and yeah. so unfortunately, it's it's depressing, right? But you know, um, it, it's nice to at least see that you know they're taking care of him in that respect. So thank you for bringing that to my attention to it today, Joshua. But I have something slightly uh, less. Um, Something more pessimistic, I guess. Not for nothing. Let <laughs> me clear my throat. Not for nothing, but I've been watching, you know, the Yankees very closely. The Jays have already had two series against them. Uh, mm-hmm. And I have to say, not for nothing, but the Marlins should be thanking their, you know, lucky stars every night, the Miami Marlins, 
for getting rid of that Giancarlo Stanton contract and finding somebody in the Yankees to take that off their hands. At the time, it looked like, oh, you know, Miami shipping off their all-star outfield. I'll get to, you know, Ozuna and Yelich again, the other people in that outfield in a moment. Um, but I think the Yankees have a fucking dog on their hands, man. He's never healthy. He hits spectacular Stantonian home runs. Absolutely, just absolute gone in it. That's must-see television. When he connects with a ball, it's must-see television. I'll give you that. But it's not worth that contract, and that's going to hamstring them. I know they're the Yankees, but they'd be a lot better off without that contract. Yeah, it's an interesting thought for sure, right? Because it's one of those ones, if Miami had ponied up that money, he's not putting up the numbers that you would expect for that num- that amount of output, right? Like like you said, when he runs into one, it's a five fucking hundred feet bomb. It's just, you know, the crack of the bat when that man is batting is just, it's just insane. But at the end of the day, like even la- like the last three years, he hasn't been healthy. He only played 20 mm-hmm. games last year. He only played about 20 the year before. You know, he's batting sub 250 most of the time. His power, you know, while again, he can run into one, you don't see it as much as you used to so you know I agree I think for a franchise you know like Miami that doesn't have the funds that the Yankees have you know that would have been a potentially you know detrimental decision to make right it's like when guys are giving out the contracts that like somebody like Bryce Harper is getting it's like if that doesn't pan out your next 10 years are kind of fucked, right? So mm-hmm. Miami getting rid of him, I am with you. That is definitely, I. they're they're definitely lucky they're not carrying that contract. While I will say, though, the Yankees, I don't think are as, you know, they're not going to be as hurt from losing that money because they'll always just find more money at the end of that piggy bank, right? No, of course. No, they, they can definitely stomach it easier, but I just feel like that number, that, that, uh, that money would be so much better spent spread around, right? Like so many aging stars with contracts that are huge across all these sports. Um, but everyone laughed. It's funny how like the, you know, it happens all the time. The narratives flip so fast, right? In a number of years. And at the time, everyone laughed at Miami for tearing it down and, you know, getting rid of Yelich who went to Milwaukee and won an MVP. So, you know, he's been worth every penny of his contract, right? So maybe Yelich is maybe the one guy I would have hung on to if I was Miami. But again, they weren't competing like Milwaukee right. was. So what's exactly. the point? What's the point? Yeah. So um, I think that Miami did really well. And Ozuna, again, a guy who has had really good seasons, but I still think is kind of a, a, a overpay, overpaid sort of player. And, and he has a long-term contract, I believe, now with Atlanta. So, you know, you'll see how that shakes out. But I don't think that Miami Marlins are as much, uh, you know, as maligned as they once were, I guess you could say, uh, at the time. Now that a couple of years have gone by, I think they should be ecstatic to have gotten Stanton off the books and, you know, to let that happen. Because, I mean, I'd like nothing more than to see him go off when he's hot and he's smashing home runs. The league is just more fun and it's just a, mm-hmm. a more fun place to be and a more fun place to watch. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's just hilarious to see and, and, and strange to see how, how quick that perception can turn around. But... We'll see. I hope the best for Stanton, but Miami should be going, whew. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Like we talked about, when you're in a position that you don't have the funds to kind of go after mm-hmm. it and you don't have the personnel to go after it, holding on to big contracts is the stupidest thing you can do. Let's get into the last segment of the day. Your jerk of the week. I am very happy about this one. I'm happy. <laughs> this one makes me happy. This okay, one, I'm yeah. Be me honest. Too. Me too. This one's better than like other ones. It's not as, you know, it's not something that's like outside of the sport. It's not something about being a bad human like so many of our jerks have been. 
uh, it's strictly just shot, shit talk and trash talk and just kind of, you know. Uh, and just, yeah, this one should be called the fucking clown of the week. But clown of the week, yeah. Jerk of the week, your clown of the week, your, honestly, your jerk of probably the last couple of years on and off is Mr. Kevin Durant, okay? In a recent interview, <laughs> the man had the audacity to look somebody in the eye and say, I don't chase rings. I want to be a great basketball player, not to be chasing some stuff that humans created in a ring or a gold ball. Okay, so not only is he full of shit, absolute just <laughs> absolute crap. What'd you go to Brooklyn for because of the fucking view? Okay, and, and and let's not even run into this stuff like about the Warriors because that was the most ring chasing I ever seen. It's like then you're gonna get all philosophical that it's not about winning something oh that's man made. What the fuck are you talking about? It's like all oh, you play for you play a made up game that offers no real intrinsic <laughs> value, right? Like it's not like you're a fucking engineer, right? I know. It's not like you're a doctor or a scientist. You're getting the cure for fucking COVID. You play basketball. I okay. I don't want to get into the fact that sports have you know a societal you know impression that they make on people's lives and happiness and how they can sometimes have like. Like political impact we're not going to get into that okay because at the end of the day he's making a very broad philosophical statement but all while playing a sport that is man-made and just ring chase what'd you go why'd you go play with Kyrie you like you went to Brooklyn what because you and Kyrie like I guess you're both lunatics maybe you do enjoy each other's company I'm not sure <laughs> man no he, he lost me with the man-made thing because now he's just going off guys will say anything when they're lying eh when they're full of shit they'll, they'll, they'll make any shit up like that so the fact that he said he also said this part it's important to say that he once he won those two rings he didn't feel a sense of accomplishment you, you chased rings I would, <laughs> yeah, that's if I if I went to Golden yes. State at that time and I sat on the bench, let's say Golden State made an unprecedented move. They were they, they got shit on because all of a sudden they came out and they said we acquired Dan Ippolito from Brampton, Ontario. <laughs> An unsigned, undrafted, unwanted, un unloved human being. <laughs> we we got him. <laughs> and and I sat on that bench the entire time. I said, Josh, I gotta move away, man. I see you in a bit. I gotta move to Kylie and I I gotta literally put my fat ass on the bench <laughs> at Oracle Arena. I could have got a, 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 a ring to that year and yeah. I wouldn't feel like I accomplished anything either. I felt like I interrupted my life to go and <laughs> now listen, now he played and played well for them, whatever, but he they did, were yeah. already fucking, they already had 73 wins fucking six months before he joined them. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think that they were hurting. So of course yeah. he didn't, of course he didn't feel anything accomplished when it's easy for you, right? There was, he, right. he, he picked the path of least resistance. There was no yes. on field adversity for him to overcome so of course you're not going to feel it's like playing a video game or you know something that you and i can relate to because we you know that's closer to us than nba level <laughs> yeah. basketball but it's like playing that's a video true. game or it's like like playing mario something everyone's played and there's uh, on easy or it's like playing pac-man with no ghosts you just go blue, 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 and eat everything <laughs> i'm not going to feel happy after that i'm not going to feel accomplished either so of course after i'm going to say ah it's not about eating those pack uh, those pack dots and pac-man man it's just about you know Improving my time as a as a player, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, you're playing a man-made game, like you said. A man made that, um, and a man made. All your value is man-made. Your literal value is man. -made. If sports got blown off the face of the earth tomorrow, you know, humans and civilization would find something competitive to, to to yeah. to you know, as escapism or as something, some sort of competitive yeah. outlet, right? So yeah. you know, if you roll the dice and it happens again in another lifetime, another dimension, it could be anything. But he's getting into the ancient aliens, fucking. <laughs> End of the spectrum by saying I don't want a ball, a golden ball, or a golden trophy yeah. that's man-made. Like get out of here. Now he's saying he's like of a higher, of a higher calling. Uh -huh. 
you chased rings, man. You chased yeah, rings. Exactly. You chased yeah. rings. And now, yeah, like you said, when they went to Brooklyn to play with those shitty guys, you know, James Harden and Kyrie, uh, we don't, we, they, they don't want, I think they feel after hearing that. You just formed a super <laughs> team with James them. Hard, James Harden came after, but, but no, Kyrie, I know, yes. but yeah, yeah, yeah. They formed a super team together. They're all having a good time. They're all fucking smashing everyone in the teeth. And all of a sudden, your guy go, my guy over here, your guy, our guy, everyone's guy goes, I don't chase rings. I don't, I don't, it's a man made trophy. I don't want it. So, how the hell the other guy supposed to feel? Okay. Like I guess sure I guess they're not I guess they're not trying to win you know who would laugh at this a couple of guys Kobe Bryant the late Kobe Bryant would laugh at this and say this is nonsense eh yeah that killer instinct uh, LeBron yeah. James I want to hear what he has to say nobody's asked him about that oh, those guys that just hunger for more I think LeBron said before in the past when he won one he just wanted more right right yeah. and it's not it's not a hunk of metal it's not something man made that is the physical manifestation of you being the best exactly. at that thing. Exactly. So, exactly. And yeah, you nailed it. You honestly nailed it on the head of, you know, him saying, you know, I, I kind of, you know, in, in different words, but I felt more empty than I thought I would after winning. And I realized that it should be more about my development as a basketball player and less about the outcome. Right. So mm -hmm. that being said, that is the direct result of you taking the path of least resistance. Exactly like how you mm -hmm. put it. It's that, you know, you took Easy Street. You're playing Paperboy. It's 1998. You have your fucking <laughs> Sega out. And you put it on Easy Street every time. Every time. So, of course, you don't feel fucking good about it. If he had stayed in OKC and eventually, you know, rolled one out with Westbrook, I guarantee it would have felt different. If mm -hmm. If he had mm -hmm. gone to a different franchise, had gotten, you know, didn't just like he didn't have to. He doesn't have to go to, you know, a dog team and, and drag him to the top. I'm not one of those people, but going to the team, like you said, that is already winning 80 percent of their games. They already have a ring without you. It's like going to them is just like I said back then, you should be ashamed. But yeah, that's exactly why you didn't feel an accomplishment because you didn't work hard for that accomplishment. No, exactly. And even if I could say in an alternate universe, like even like a team that was set up like the Raptors, um, let's say they had traded DeRozan at the time, let's say for Durant, you know, in an alternate, let's just say hypothetically, right. and yeah. he came to a team like that and won it. That's more accomplishment. That's a lot yes, more. 100%. That's a, that's like a ton why? more accomplishment, right? That's like yeah. joining a team that being that missing puzzle piece. He was the extra puzzle piece in the box that you already have when you already finished the puzzle, <laughs> that random yeah. extra piece. You're happy for yeah. it. You're like sick. This is sick. And I'm and I'm happy because I finished the puzzle. It looks great. And now I'm gonna put it in that newspaper backing, paper mache, and put it on my wall. <laughs> yeah. But now I have this extra piece here. I guess you know you have a you, you have a gluttony of riches, but yeah. For, but why? But why? What do you have at the end of the day? This reminded <laughs> me when I read this article. It reminded me of when celebrities and shit like that come out and say money is not the key to happiness. <laughs> then give me your money. <laughs> then give me all your money. I'll give you my fucking yeah. transit number on my bank account. Give me your goddamn yeah. money. Well, you know, we can get into like the philosophical debate of whether money makes you happy because it doesn't. But I tell you that being broke makes it fucking harder. To makes be it a hell of a lot harder. That, but right? it's just posturing to me. It's just kind of I don't yes. know. It's just sort yep. of posturing to me and just bullshit. Yeah. So that, exactly. that, that sums it up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that makes you, sir, our jerk of the week. Thank you. Da -da 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 -da. Dan, thank you for another great episode. Thank you to everyone listening. Please, you know what? Share this with your friends. You're having a coffee. Mm -hmm. You're at work. You hate the person you're talking to. You're like, fuck, I really hate this guy. I want to ruin his day. Tell him about the podcast. <laughs> That'll <laughs> certainly ruin his day. If you want to ruin his weekend, uh, you know, send him over to Josh's <laughs> social media page and look at his pictures. There you go. <laughs> that was rude. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Everyone have a great weekend, Josh. Thank you, buddy. It's fun as always, man.
Yes, absolutely. We'll see everyone next week, Friday morning. As always, take care, Drinky Crew.